On today's show, we have a fellow podcaster and TV celebrity. So let's get into it on the 222 Paranormal Podcast. Oh yeah, welcome to the show. This is the 222 Paranormal Podcast with your host, Jen and Joe. Joe forgot the name of the show. I forgot the name of the show. (laughs) Trying something a little different, trying to spice it up a little. Uh, You know, because you're so spicy, Joe. Well, I don't have any Sausalitos, so I got (gasps) to spice up somehow. I know. I I am officially, Uh for the 10,000th time, on a diet, and I am working out again. Go because Joe. you go, Joe. We booked our trip to the Caribbean. All right, lucky you. To uh, Saint John's in the Virgin invited? Islands, and uh, I don't want to be the beached whale. So, <laughs> <laughs> so what's up with you, Jen? Oh, so um, had something interesting happen in the house. You know, guys like to um, tell you about my spooky ghost happenings that happen. Uh, came home the other night. And just, uh, I don't know, maybe it was a week or so ago from the time we're taping this. And just, um, I don't know, you, you ever walk in your house and you just feel like something's going on? Like a cat walking through or? <laughs> that I scream, ah, there's a cat. I had the white one. Mm-hmm. He won't come in the door, but he'll sit in the doorway. That's nice. Yeah, because I leave the back door open to get airflow through. Yeah. And, you know, because I'm weird. Jonas but cats. <laughs> The black one just walks right in like you saw that one day. I know, but, it scared the But anyhow, what happened? So I got home and I just felt like something was in the house. Now, I don't know why or what triggered it. I couldn't tell you. Uh, but I came home. It was about 9 o'clock or so. I walk in and I just felt like something was in the house. Like, I, I, I can't explain it. So I picked up my dowsing rods and I went into the back bedroom and I was getting all kinds of activity with the dowsing rods so I was talking I was like is anybody here and I was just kind of like casual conversation right I wasn't like tell me who's here I just kind of felt like I knew who it Mm -hmm. was and um so I mean the rods were going insane like moving back forth questions questions answer 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 and so it was um I felt like it was David and dad yeah so David is my old friend who passed away six months before oh, my dad did and um we were gonna get married that's a whole nother <laughs> story um so i just felt like their presence was there but then i also felt a lady there and i half wonder or it's just you know kind of like a feeling you have like you know you guys know like you all probably had that feeling once or twice you just felt like something remember i was telling you that a lady died on my street yeah I live on a small street, right? It's only got, what, 10 houses, maybe mm-hmm. 12 houses, if that. And they found a lady's body at the end of the street. I don't know what the circumstances were, if she was inside, outside. I don't okay. know, but nobody claimed her body. And they were had it on the news because nobody was claiming her. And, like, somebody's got paid for the funeral expenses or whatever. But I just felt like she was there. Hmm. And um, 
I don't know, but the rods were just going nuts. And it was like, I was holding them and I could feel like the electricity going through my, you know, palms, mm-hmm. up my arms. And it just went on for about 30 minutes. And oh, I was wow. just having casual conversation, you know, and like, yes or no. And, you know, the rods kept crossing and they would uncross and then they would go out. I, I was just like, it was just weird. Huh. Cool, but weird. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I don't usually walk in and have that kind of activity, but again shadow figures white shadow figures i had two twice i saw like something white and misty like swoop by i don't know tonight i might try to set up i i bought this camera i don't know like two months ago on amazon oh you it's did one of those little it's like the size of like a plug-in you know okay it's just a little and it has um Oh, like a web, you know, like mm-hmm. what you have where you can see it online. I, yeah. I'm not that tech savvy, it's clearly. E- it's easy. All you do is plug it in and hit yes on the phone and it works. Okay. So I want to put it, let it go while I'm sleeping. You'll probably mm-hmm. hear me snoring, but whatever. <laughs> but I, I know something's going on when I'm sleeping, you know. And, like, it's weird because, like, the bird will get, my parakeet gets real quiet. Even when the TV's on. And normally, anytime the TV's on, he's squawking, you know. Yeah. He's just, like, chirping along because I put... You know, bird shows on for him. <laughs> I'm the crazy bird lady now. <laughs> <laughs> I officially turned the corner. No, but um, yeah, he'll get real quiet and just be like staring off into space or something. I don't know. It's weird. Hmm. But anyways, I, I I can't explain it. I tell you what, the dowsing rods are awesome. They are. They work so well. We We were just in Charlotte, Michigan. And people were taking them up in the courthouse because they had a, the the haunted. ghost hunt at the courthouse. Haunted courthouse. And people were coming back down and saying, you won't believe the activity <laughs> we got. So dowsing rods work. Yeah. So you guys, if you want to set, let us know. Hit us up. You know, PM us. Is it PM or DM? DM. Oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't know. And we can ship you a set. Yeah. You know, 20 bucks 20 plus shipping. Bucks. Not bad. Yeah, and they're handmade. Handmade with special material. I use, I just showed Jen the box. Of, Don't tell them our secrets. Yeah, <laughs> use special material that's more conductive. And, yeah. uh, it's and it works. Like you said, we've had people talk to us about how they feel the tingling in their hands. And you're, I'm like, yeah, you actually feel electricity in your hand. Yeah, it's crazy. And that's why how we make ours is different than other people that just put like shafts or rubber over the handle, it's like, it's not conductive. Right. So, but anyhow. Anyhoosie. Check us out. Uh, we have them up on Etsy, and uh, we'll put the link in the show notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can buy a set. But today. But today. Today. We had a chance when we were up at Michigan Paracon to talk to Tim Weisberg. Yes. So if you guys don't know, Tim is the host and executive producer of Spooky South Coast Radio and Midnight Society with Tim Weisberg. Now that has been on the air since um, 2006. And then he started a podcast not long after that. But he's um, has, you know, hosted the show that originally was hosted by the legendary Art Bell. He's the author of Ghost of South Coast and Haunted Objects, Ghost on Your Shelf. And um, it's he's so interesting. And, I, you know, I love when people have such a really good podcast voice he, and come on our podcast. He has been on Haunted Towns as a researcher. He was on Ghost Stalker. He was on 
Hotel Paranormal. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> New England Legends, and we know who runs that. Yes, yep. Jeff Belanger, who is awesome also. He was on our show, and we're going to get back on the show. We couldn't talk to him at Michigan Paragon because he had his entourage around him all the time. But uh, Tim has also been in Haunted Towns. And even in ghost stories of New England legends, Ooh. America's Bermuda Triangle, the Bridgewater Triangle, my ghost stories of ghost adventures with Zach. <gasps> my boyfriend. Most terrifying places in America. Monster Conversations Quest. with serial killer and Monster Quest. So awesome. He's he been... gets around. Tim, we heard to get around. He gets around. <laughs> no, he's great. He is awesome. And uh, we had a chance to talk to him. So without... Any other babbling from me? Why don't we get into the interview so our listener can hear it? And uh, we'll be back after the interview. And with us today, coming from the 2022 Michigan Paracon Convention, we have Tim Weisberg. (laughs) This is Tim Weisberg. He is a (laughs) professional weirdo. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Do you like my radio voice? Yeah. <laughs> we were just discussing Tim's golden voice. It does sound very Barry Whitish because he has a cold. Right. Normally normally I sound like Pee Wee Herman. <laughs> we I don't it. know. I've listened to a couple of your shows, so yes, it's very good. It's deep. He must turn the the bass way up. Yeah, I was so gonna say I do right. use a really good mixer. Yeah. So that makes me sound much better than I really sound. <laughs> It's kind of like using the um, the uh, filters that chicks use when they take pictures. Yes. <laughs> I should probably use those on my face, too, but since they don't stay on your face when you're not on camera, right. it would just be lying to people. We False advertisement. You know, we go to a lot of these conventions like you do, and we actually had someone come up to our booth and said, I came to the show to meet you guys to see who was who. And I'm it's, like, I'm, I'm pretty sure I can tell you apart. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Sister, brother, female, male. I, I pretty much had it at that point. Joe, yeah. yeah, right? Definitely. So what's exciting? What's new? What's going on with you? No, not much. Just doing the usual thing. Uh, you know, this is, as we've come out of the pandemic, I've noticed that a lot of the uh, haunted locations are opening their doors again, and they need help. So I've been trying to get out and trying to do as many of those things as I can so that people, not only are people itching to get out there and investigate, but these places lost two years worth of revenue yeah. to help help keep historic haunts going. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we just try to do what we can to get people in the doors and also make them realize that if something like this was to happen again, you know, these are the places that you want to turn to and support because they're not like a regular business where they have customers coming in every day. They're very dependent on people wanting to come for the history or wanting to come for the ghosts. Yeah. Yeah, and I've seen it so many times where I've just heard of uh, a school down here or down here, down in Toledo that had to close because of that. And they just didn't have the revenue. And the buildings do fall apart because they're old. They're like me. They fall apart. Excuse me. So, so are the people though who run a lot of these places. Mm-hmm. A lot of these folks are older folks who got involved in historical societies when they were in their forties, and now they're in their eighties, yeah. and they don't have. First of all, they don't have the physical strength to keep up with the renovations these places need. Uh, they certainly don't have the revenue to to donate their own money to do it. And the other part of it is they don't really want to be part of society when there's a, a virus going around. Mm-hmm. They want to stay home and be safe. So. Without them and without another generation coming up behind them, these places might close for no other reason than there's no volunteers to be there when they want to open. Exactly. 
I'm sorry. Well, a sports card show. I know. We'll, oh, we'll yeah. edit that. <laughs> <laughs> they even have a 50-50 drawing. Going to go get a Michael Jordan rookie card. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> the Holy Grail, right? Wouldn't it be great Like if you went to a garage sale and you just found something that was like worth a million I, f- I found a few things. I'm a, I'm a big treasure hunter. Oh, so like me I, too. I love to go to yard sales, flea markets. I found yeah. a few interesting things. I think one of my best finds ever was a, I found a Finnish Bible really? that we paid. We bought in a box of books for like two bucks, and it was worth like, I don't know, like 600 bucks or something. <gasps> really? That is amazing. I, um, I'm a reseller as well, and I estate sales, garage sales, yard sales, consignment shops, whatever I can get my hands on, right? I went to an estate sale one time, and the lady had passed away. I walked in, and she was there. Like, I could sense her spirit. She was very irritated. People were going through her things. They were selling a wedding dress that had been in the family since the 1800s, and they were just selling it, and she was very upset about it. I can imagine, yeah. I was like, that's, you know, like, people don't think about, like, ghost hunting, like, things like that estate sales everyone i've gone to i just i can just feel people they're like why are people going through all these things and and then of course what they don't realize is that when they buy that they're bringing a piece of that person with exactly them. you know we uh, i wrote a book with chris balzano called haunted objects and one of the things that stood out the most in those stories wasn't so much about the fact that you know you hear about all the scary things it was it was the the uh, items that people loved yeah. that really mattered to them and of course we would leave a piece of ourselves behind in that and we might not be totally happy with the way somebody else is taking care of that item exactly and i've heard of cases where people actually pick up the items and the the name is actually not coming to my mind right now but where they'll pick up the items and they can sense and see in their mind's eye everything that happened to that item. Yeah, psychometry, yeah. Psychometry, that's yeah. what it is. And, yeah. and, and, you know, you don't even have to be psychic for that to happen. No. Like, many people pick something up and they just say, this meant something to somebody. And it's not, it's, it could be the most innocuous item. One of the objects that I wrote about in the book was a butter dish. Oh. Like, you know, the dish that you put the butter in to keep yeah. on the table. And it was this woman's grandmother's butter dish and they'd pass it down and that was what the grandmother had decided to attach herself to because you know it everybody thinks oh it's going to be the diamond ring or the wedding yeah. dress or what have you maybe it's something that they know you're going to use every day mm-hmm. that's going to be part of your daily life so that they can stay part of your daily life i mean we have objects in ourselves that we kind of love to have around you know in a in a certain room or that and it could be a simple thing as a dish and, you know stuff that we use every day that everybody looks at like well, why do you use that for that? I'm like, no, it's just nice. Yeah. It's just nice to have. I, I collect vintage radios. Like, okay. that's what I like from the 1930s, 1940s. And someday when I'm not around, or maybe someday I might even have to sell them or donate them or something. But when I die, you're going to turn on that radio. You're going to hear my voice come through. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's how I want to be. That's how I want my ghost to go if I have any kind yeah. of say. Yeah, I was concerned about that because, you know, I bring in a lot of objects. Um, into the house because you know being a reseller and i'm just like okay is this shadow figure in my house because i brought that you know painting from the guy who died next door over um i i worry about that sometimes but on the other hand i'm like i'm here to make money right right I'm, I'm, if i find something good and i'm gonna flip it and let's in. let's face it if you get a good story out of it it's probably exactly. worth more yeah for sure um with your items that you have looked at and researched and all that, 
Is there any item that you were actually afraid of or you were afraid to give on to someone else? So there was there was an item that came to me that a friend of mine lent to me. Uh, it was Claire the Haunted Doll. And, of course, everybody has haunted doll stories, but her story was so intense, uh-huh. and it had a backstory connection where so many doll stories don't have the backstory behind it. So I was a little bit nervous when she said, I'd like to send you this doll and okay. have her live with you for a few months while you write the book. Yeah. And I said, well, based on what's happened to you, I don't know how I feel about that, but she sent it anyway. And the, the story of the doll was that she was in the Camp Creek train wreck oh. of the early 1900s. Okay. She, she, um, she was on this train, and the little girl that owned her died in the train wreck. Okay. Somehow the doll ended up in another resident's home, and she kept it in a closet. And when strange things started to happen, she did the most logical thing she knew of. Let me give this to a little girl. Yeah. And uh, she gave it to, to my friend Jill, and Jill had all kinds of things go on. Uh, the music boxes in her room would all go off at the same time, playing the same song, even though they all had different songs built into them. Yeah. And, you know, weird things like that. So this is the doll she wanted me to have live in my house. But when the doll came, there were really no issues except she used to like to mess with the temperature of the room. Oh, okay. She would turn the heat up, even though it was summertime and I didn't really want the heat on, she would turn the heat up. <laughs> and I think it's because the, the doll had spent most of her life in Georgia. And I oh, live in okay. Massachusetts, so yeah. she wanted that nice Georgia heat. Yeah. And that's it, that's kind of why I asked that question is I don't deal in haunted objects. And we hear about that all the time where people get these objects in their house. And it just, it just causes all kinds of havoc and all that. And I, I always wonder about that, if it's just folklore stories or if it really does happen. That's why I have a shed. Yeah. You, you take the haunted objects, you put them in the shed, you have kind of that uh, that buffer period mm-hmm. where you can, especially if you're, if I was smart, I would have put a camera in the shed yeah. so I could have seen if anything happens. But instead, I just kind of kept them in there for a little while to see what happens. Uh, a, a while back, somebody gave me, I actually went into the S.K. Pierce mansion, and the caretaker let me take some of the brick from the basement where they were trying to dig out the tunnel that used to go to the chair factory across the street. And I took that. Uh, the pieces of the brick and I put it in the trunk of my car. Okay. And I gave some pieces of it to another young man who had wanted to be there with us but couldn't be there. So I gave it to him as like kind of like a, a consolation prize. And he was waking up every night to find three scratches on his body somewhere oh, okay. until he took that brick out of his room and he put it. So after I heard that, that brick has stayed in my, the trunk of my car <laughs> yeah. ever since. That's amazing. You know, and we've had a situation, there's a house in Toledo that we call the Bone House. And we did an interview with the paranormal team, which are friends of ours that investigated the house. And we did the interview at Jen's house and Jen, tell them what happened. So I didn't realize that they were going to bring in some bones from the bone house. Oh, and the guy walks in my house. He's like here and throws them at me. And I catch this bag of bones. And as soon as I touch it, I went, (laughs) I was like, all my energy drained, and I had to, like, throw them away. It was insane. It was crazy. And from that point, I had strange activity happening in my house. I can well, imagine, I had yeah. activity before, but it was a different level. <laughs> yeah, it was incredible. I, so, you know, it's unwitt- unknowingly, you know, handling something like that. I was like, thought about that, and I'm like, you know, when we go to these different locations that we investigate and stuff, and... 
you know, people leave things there. There's things already there. You're handling and, and touching and observing and taking pictures. It's like, ooh, I kind of thought twice about um, before touching <laughs> in different places. Yeah, pe- people don't think about how it might not affect you one way, but it might affect somebody else a different yeah. way because they might have a certain connection. Uh, one of the things I try to tell the historical places that I work with, because you know how it goes with historical museums and heritage museums. They're always looking for period era pieces they can add to the house. And I always tell them, well, be careful because your place might not have activity, but you're bringing in all this stuff that might carry with it its own exactly. attachments. And in a way, it's good because, you know, then you can use the paranormal as a way to help fundraise. But the, the downside of it is you might never figure out what the source of that haunting is. And then you have people coming in and misattributing it, making up narratives that don't necessarily fit. So you really can't get the true story unless you're actually cataloging these things and, and, and their story behind them. Or even if someone, like Jen was mentioning, haunted locations, if you have a haunted location that really isn't haunted, but all these people are coming to it to hunt, hunt, you know, ghost hunt, they're actually calling spirits in. Those, that place could become haunted because of all the people wanting it to be haunted. Well, yeah, I'll take that one one step further. I'm a big believer in the idea of thought forms, of tulpas, mm-hmm. egregores. And I think that when we go to these places, I, I use the Lizzie Borden house as an example. I can't think of any reason why the spirit of Lizzie Borden would want to stay in that house. Yeah. And I don't believe that spirits would necessarily be trapped for some sort of punishment. So if that's the case, why would Lizzie Borden's ghost be there interacting with people? I don't think that it really is. I think maybe, you know, like when Kindred Spirits is investigating the Maplecroft home she lived in afterwards, that could be Lizzie. But I think what happened was when they opened up for tours in 1996, a lot of people started going in there and saying, this place must be haunted. It really Mm -hmm. seems like it's haunted. Enough people went there saying that, that they created this ghost. It doesn't mean that the experiences that people have are not true. Mm -hmm. It just means that the source of it might not be this disembodied soul that they think that it was. Yeah. Yeah. Or it could be a spirit of someone else imitating Lizzie Borden's spirit. Which happens far too often, and especially at a place like that where I do think there's a, an elemental-type spirit there that thrives on the negativity. And if that's the case, it would have every reason in the world to want to pretend that it's Lizzie Borden to get people's attention. Yeah. What do you think the end goal of, of those types of entities are? I think just really attention. Attention to them is a form of fuel. Of, a, uh, of energy and I, I think that if you look around us in the world there's a lot of positive and negative energy happening around us all the time that we don't pay attention to but when you when you give it some attention like let's just say you know you you look for rainbows you're going to be the kind of person that finds more rainbows than somebody else and I think if you start giving attention to some of these negative things you're going to start to find more negative things yeah that's how it is in life you know I mean with like the number two two two, you start seeing it. You'll see it everywhere. Right. You know. You buy a blue Toyota. All of a sudden, you see blue Toyotas yeah. all over the road. Yeah. <laughs> we buy Volkswagens. No, I'm good. <laughs> Farfagnugan. All right. I'm but a Volkswagen there, girl. So. There is a part of your brain that does that. I mean, I I teach people about that all the time. We us as humans are deletion characters. We delete so much because there's so much going on right now. Like the mountain monster guys yelling the air conditioning turning on the people talking down there your if your brain didn't sort out all that stuff you'd go insane right and some people can't sort all that out and they do it causes harm but yeah and once your brain realizes that something is important to you 
you'll notice it a lot. And that's, you know, a lot of my teachings for my life coach stuff. That's how that works. But it's the same with ghosts. I think that haunted bridges, we have a bridge down in Ohio that everybody talks about how haunted it is, but yet there's no solid evidence of anything actually happening there. And you've given it that power. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things that I try to teach people when we go on investigations, I do, like I said, I do a lot of public investigations so that people can come and support these places. But I always try to find what I think to be like the haunt, the heart of the haunt, the, yeah. the heart of the house. Yeah. And I say it's usually the basement. And I say, let's go down there. Let's turn off everything. I don't even want you running an EVP recorder right now. Let's just be quiet. Let's just attune ourselves to what's going on so that we can do exactly that. We know when the boiler goes off we know when the heat comes on we know if the third step makes a creak when somebody steps on it you really kind of tune into that so you can get rid of some of that noise but also at the same time i think it really helps you make that connection too so that anything that's there with you you have a few moments to kind of introduce yourself and and get to know it before you're running around sticking a tape recorder out asking questions exactly do you think this is just rabbit hole stuff you said the basement, the heart of the house. I have, I don't know. I'm just trying to connect the dots here because it is basements are under the earth and in the ground. Do you think maybe that's kind of like the battery? I think so. Because so, the energy of the earth and let let me. Let I don't me, know. I just that was just, I'm like. Oh. I'm going to put out the caveat that I investigate a lot in New England, okay. where all of our houses are, are old, and. Most of them have, you know, especially the, the haunted historical places we go to, they have field stone foundations. So somebody was building this house. They went out and found a bunch of stones in the woods and used that to build it. And field stone and granite, which is the other thing that they use, those are both high in quartz. Yeah. So, and quartz is piezoelectric. So it's conducting and amplifying and recording energy. So they've naturally built these locations to record any type of, any type of energy that's expended within them. So even if nobody's, quote-unquote, haunting it, everything that's ever happened in that place has left an energetic imprint that could just be stored and trapped in this giant, like you said, battery yeah. and recorder at the same time of all of that type of activity. Yeah. yeah. Just sparks my thought. I go down <laughs> rabbit holes a lot hey, on this show. <laughs> stone tape theory. Did you ever see that film? Yes. I mean, I saw that and I said, oh, gee, I don't know if I want to go back out and investigate these places anymore. <laughs> and then I had to remember right? it's, it's not a real movie. It's not a documentary. Right. Yeah. But it's actually a real concept, though. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Mm-hmm. For sure. Now, tell us a little bit about um, investigating in New England. Because it is a much older part of the country and there's so much more history, uh, do you feel like it's way more haunted? Uh, do you find a lot more hauntings in that area? Because I really, really want to go there. Well, I would say you definitely <laughs> have to come and visit. I always say our ghosts are cooler than everybody else's because oh, okay. they're older and they kind of understand the concept of what a haunting is, so they play along better. But, you know, people will tell me, oh, my house in California was 100 years old. And I say, my door handle's 100 years old. <laughs> uh, but the, the, what I find to be the most interesting about it is that the locations may have changed over time, but the land is the same. So you might have a brand new house that was just built 10 years ago. But that land was part of King Philip's War when the colonists and the Native Americans fought each other. Or you could have a a situation where, you know, the house that used to be there, there could have been a terrible fire that that claimed everybody's lives. One of the things about, though, investigating in New England, though, is that we come from a, a background of 
everybody knows the pilgrims came to America for religious freedom. Yeah. But what people don't really necessarily realize is that not long after that, the Massachusetts Bay Colony became hugely oppressive religiously. Everybody was Puritan, and if you didn't follow along with the Puritans, you were ostracized. And so there's still a very Puritan ethic that is underlying a lot of what goes on in New England. And now that you've had these other mixes of other cultures that have come in, they all have different approaches to spirituality. You mix that with the native spirituality, and you never know what's going to be conducive or not conducive to having activity actually happen. Sometimes nothing will go on in a place that I know is always active, and I have to say, well, you know, is, is anybody here, you know, Portuguese? And somebody will say, oh, I am. I'll be like, okay, I know in your culture you don't really talk about this stuff. Can you please say it's okay? You know, like you have to kind of peel away those layers and figure out what those blocks might be. As being in a uh, situation like that, does that affect you going into locations? I mean, do people kind of shun you because you're a paranormal investigator? Oh, it, the, the whole town of Plymouth okay. is very against a lot of this stuff. There's, mm-hmm. there's a few pockets of places where they've allowed investigation, but the Plymouth Antiquarian Society, which runs all the real historic, uh, historic buildings, they don't want to do anything with the paranormal. Okay. They feel like it's like it's cheap, like it's disrespectful. And I'm trying to tell them it's a whole different way to get people interested in your history. There's there's actually a, a younger generation of people coming up that look at promoting pilgrim history as promoting white supremacy. That you're promoting, you know, the fact that if it ain't white, it ain't right because yeah. of the way that they treated the Native Americans. Well, here's your chance to get those younger folks to come in and learn their true side of history and what really mattered and how it really went down, but it just happens to be the ghosts that are hooking them in, and they, they don't want to hear it. They, they think that, and I don't understand. I've never understood why people feel like ghosts are respectful because every person that I've ever known that's been really into this, respect is the number one thing exactly. that's, that's part of their approach. And we talk about that all the time when we come to conventions is the type of people that are at these conventions. People... When you say I'm going to a paranormal convention or I'm a paranormal investigator, I think they're gonna we're gonna put the lighter fluid and a pentagram in the middle, and everybody's gonna chant and all that. And we do that later in the after party. Right. That's the after party. But yeah. yeah, but during the conventions, we all are acting really nice. Not me. And <laughs> but no, you you meet some of the nicest people, and they're open. They're open to everything that you have to say. There's it's a mutual respect on different. Um, approaches. And I find there's two different types of people that look into the paranormal. There are the people who had experiences, and so they want to find out the reason why and, and see if they can make it happen again. And there's also the people who are seeking the experience, that they want to have it. And I find that more often than not, no matter which camp they come in, so many people get into it because they were interested in the history. The history led them to the location, and they either had the experience there or they were there and they wish that they had the experience. So, like, history is a huge part of why these people are doing this to begin with. And certainly, there's no better, if you look at social media today, you know, nobody's making TikToks about, you know, the, the, the whaling captain that came over in, in the 1800s. They're making TikToks about the whaling captain's house that is haunted, and then they tell you who the whaling captain is that might be haunting it. So there's a, it's an avenue, it's a way to open the door for people to learn that history. Yeah, definitely. You love it, though. I... I absolutely love the historical part of investigating joe and i spend a lot of time in time in cemeteries anytime we go into a new town we go to the cemetery because that's where you find a lot of history of that particular town 
And if you don't know the history, it's like watching Star Wars and not knowing what it means to be a Jedi. You know, it, it, you can still watch the movie and you understand, okay, Jedi some kind of knight, I get it. But when you know the history and the story of it and what it means and, and the approach that they take, it adds so many new layers yeah. to the story that it becomes more than just something that you're enjoying on a surface level. It's become something you can connect with. Yeah. And a lot of people don't realize that the Star Wars trilogy is all about the paranormal. Every, like George Lucas took so much from the paranormal, the force. You know, the different characters are all paranormal characters that we know, but he put it into this aspect of the the knight in the shining armor fighting off the evil. You know, it's all connected. And a lot of it came about because he was taking stuff from Eastern philosophies and bringing that into his writing. And we here in the West, we've kind of shunned a lot of those eastern philosophies that are very spiritual and connect us to all of that because we have this you know puritan idea this this um you know i don't want to crap on any particular religions but they they have in some cases a very narrow focus yeah that keeps people from making these connections that they could be making if they weren't stuck in that narrow focus and i think that's been an advantage for me as being somebody that didn't grow up religious i don't i didn't know that i wasn't supposed to talk to these things Nobody ever told me that you're not supposed to go into haunted places and ask to talk to, you know, demons or whatever. Yeah. So for me, it was very freeing. And I think if people kind of open their eyes to some of the way other cultures have portrayed these things, they start to take away some of that fear. It doesn't get rid of the wonder, but it gets rid of the fear. And it makes you realize that this is not only is it something that's okay to pursue, but if you pursue it and you make that connection, it's going to change your life. Exactly. And I hope we never solve the riddle because i want the mystery to go on forever i say the same thing all the time it's not about the destination it's about the journey to the destination if if suddenly today you were to show me proof that you know ghosts exist and i knew for sure then from that point on that ghosts exist the rest of my life would be kind of boring you know i'd rather be going through the process of trying to find the proof so that i keep asking new questions and that that thought process translates to the rest of my life i'm a journalist by day so I think my journalism career has helped my paranormal career, but at the same time, the paranormal career has helped the journalism career because I've learned not to just ask questions at the surface level, and I've learned to kind of take things that might not be what they are at face value. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's where you can't prove that ghosts exist or disprove, but yet you have these personal experiences that just... Get down to your soul and change your life because you've seen it. You've saw what happened in front of you. We, as experience, you know, going out, have seen so many things. I can't explain, but yet we saw it. Right. We don't know what it is, but we know that it happened. And yeah. that's the point. You don't have to know what it was. You just have to acknowledge that it happened. And it, 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 our brains naturally won't let us have a mystery. You know, we have to have answers. We have to have solutions. And if we can kind of make peace with the fact that we might never have the answer, it makes those it makes those experiences that much sweeter because you realize that you get away you get away from all the pretense needed. So when you meet somebody for the first time and you're not angling to get anything out of that relationship and you're just having a free flowing conversation, it's a lot different than when you say you meet somebody who, you know, is a car dealer and you're hoping that he's going to give you a good deal on your next car. You know, when you remove that expectation away from it and that. I hope that I get something out of this. 
the more truer, purer experience is always going to be more beneficial. Yeah, exactly. That being said, if there's any paranormal car dealers out there, I yes. could use a good deal. <laughs> exactly. Send Don't it over send paranormally. A ghost lemon, right? Yeah, a ghost. <laughs> Definitely. What do you think ghosts really are? And I'm not talking the spirits of dead people. What do you think they are? So I used to think that there was a, a lot of potential theories as to what they could be. Now I'm starting to wonder if it's just not a mixture of all of them. That if every theory that I had might actually be true. But the one thing I kind of go back to more and more and more is that it's, it's, it's not a physical thing. It's an emotional thing. Okay. So when people say, uh, you know, you can't, you can't seem to get a ghost to follow the rules of physics. You can't really measure a ghost. Like, you know, all the, the equipment we use is not measuring ghosts. It's measuring environmental changes that we think happen from the ghosts. So when you say, well, you can't measure a ghost, that makes me think, well, then it's not physical. But it could certainly be emotional because think about this. You can't measure happiness. You can't measure sadness, but you know when you feel them. And you can tell when somebody else is feeling them. And the, the way I look at it is I always use this example. If you walk into a room where two people have just been fighting, but when you walk into the room, nobody's saying anything, yeah. you feel that yeah, tension exactly. in the air. And maybe that's what we're experiencing with these ghosts is we're feeling that emotional response to their presence, to their history, whatever it might be. And that's why we're able to make these connections and some people can do it better than others. I'm as psychic as a brick, but I can walk into a place and say, wow, I really feel something happening here. Yeah. But that's a natural human um, I don't want to say emotion, but um, reflex maybe. It's a f f fight or flight almost. Mm -hmm. You know, you you sense that energy. We all have that. Just some people just don't want to tune into it. Yeah. I, I always thought that, <laughs> when, you know, as a kid, I had experiences. And my family had experiences, and I was always interested in the topic. But as an investigator, you have that moment where you say, okay, I know I want to look into this stuff. What's going to happen when I finally do have it looking back at me? And you, you always know that you're going to have that moment of, do I run toward it or do I run away from it? Yeah. And for me, it wasn't even a question. I ran toward it and said, do it again. Exactly. You know, and we're always, can't tell you how many times we've been on investigations where people are going, give me a sign. Give me a sign. You hear, and they run out of the room. Yeah. I'm Screaming. Like, yeah. Like, that's what you came here for? I, and I understand Why it. Why are you so, leaving? There's, there's, I, I did a, a presentation one time about, because a lot of people think that it's not okay to be afraid on an investigation, that you can't show fear. And granted, if somebody's calling you in because they're afraid and they want you to help them out, yeah, don't show fear. You're there to be the rock for these people. But if you're out there just investigating on your own and something frightens you, act natural. Have that emotion because fear energy is the most powerful kind of energy. And so that energy that you're giving off could amplify more stuff to happen. But some people, when they get to that point, that fear energy was not something that they were expecting to feel, and it does overpower them. So I used to think the same thing, where I'd be like, well, why did you feel that way if you were looking for it? And I think it's just a matter of people don't expect what it is that they're looking for. Like, everybody thinks they can win a fist fight against somebody until they get punched in the face. <laughs> yeah. And then they feel a little bit differently about it. Definitely emotions, yes. And that's the punch in the face of giving, like in cases like me, we've had walls fall. I've had walls fall on me. I've had spirits jump out of the woods at me. And I never get scared on an investigation. But when you have a stump turn into a person 
in a split second, the adrenaline just goes nuts. And like you said, I wonder if they're feeding off that. He knew as a spirit that he would get that emotion in me and feed off that. Yeah, because if, if they are craving our energy as a way to kind of keep themselves powered up, why wouldn't they want to get the most rawest, strongest form of our energy? Yeah. I mean, if, if you're comfortable, comfort energy probably isn't that, that uh, energetic, for lack yeah, of a better term. not vibrating that much. And but when you're scared, and, 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 and being scared, so there's, there's a couple of different types of fear, and one of them is anticipatory fear. Anticipatory fear is literally the strongest type of fear because it, goes, it keeps going and going and going. A, a psychologist once told me, the worst ghost that you can imagine is always going to be worse than the worst ghost you could possibly encounter. Yeah. But we still just have that going in our mind. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you're no matter what it is, you're putting out more energy than that ghost is ever going to be able to, to fire back at you. Yeah, and we, we use the term energy because it is like electric connections. Now, we say that the, the fear, the flight or fight or flight stimulants that you get in your body is a chemical reaction but it's moving so fast through your body that i feel it's an electrical emotion because electricity moves at the speed of light chemicals touching each other in your body is not going to make you feel that through your body instantly and it's an electrical emotion which they're taking out of our bodies I, i call it the thrill of the chill it's the same reason why people ride roller coasters or jump out of planes or even watch horror movies. It's because they like the endorphin release that they get from that feeling. And the problem is, is when you start to get into the paranormal and you do it on a regular basis, that endorphin release changes. Yeah. So it might not be the fear anymore that's doing it. It might be the excitement of having the activity happen. And eventually you get to the point where even that doesn't give you the chill anymore. Exactly. So then it becomes kind of like watching somebody else have their first experience. And, the, you know, eventually you get to the point where you're numb to all of it. And in a way, it's almost like you say to yourself, well, maybe this is when I should hang it up because I'm not having that connection to it anymore that I used to have. And you're going for darker and darker, and darker so that you get that fear, fear, fear. It could be very unhealthy for you with, you know, human emotion in that people that stay in the negative emotions like drama you know constantly fighting all that their body changes and it your brain builds different neural pathways to keep you in that sure because you're telling your brain that's what we want that's what we want and your brain always answers the questions you give it i mean look look at where we're sitting right now at this convention right across from us is john zaffis 50 years in the paranormal and you can't stay 50 years in the paranormal if you don't have that respect and that wonder for everything that happens. You can't, it can't become mundane to you, but at the same time, you can't get drawn down those paths like you're talking about of having it be overly negative because you would have destroyed yourself. Yeah. You, know, you would have already have jumped out the window or developed some sort of addiction, and you wouldn't have been able to crawl out of that hole. And we see it far too many times in the paranormal world, as you said, the drama becomes the drug. Yeah. The, you know, going online and causing problems with other people. And let's face it, paranormal people are easy to pick on because they always like to fight back. So, you know, you start seeing that and then that supersedes the work. I've seen more people who have spent more time being a paranormal investigator on social media than they've actually gone out and done investigations. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I see that a lot. When <laughs> it's... And have an opinion. Right? <laughs> 
we were just talking to somebody about that this morning, how people go out and they set up their paranormal investigation and the first thing they do is go Facebook Live. Look at me, look at me, look at me. Right. No, 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 no. You're there for the paranormal investigation. You're there to figure out what is going on in the house and to help people. Now, I can see if you're a ghost hunter. Like, I consider myself a ghost hunter. I'm not a paranormal investigator because I don't spend months on a case. Right. I go and I pay to play because I enjoy it. And when I see people, and if this is what they enjoy, it's that it's what they enjoy, yes. But don't tell me that you're going into a location to help a homeowner and get on Facebook Live right away and go, look at me, look at me, look at me. Right. You know, are, you, are you there to help or are you there for likes? Exactly. That really bugs me. It, it, and it's just... You know, Jeff Belanger and Chris Balzano started pushing a term about a decade ago called legend tripping. And so Jeff and I used to run a company called Legend Trips where we would pe- take people out for that very reason. Yeah. You're not here to conduct a scientific or pseudoscientific investigation. You're here just to become part of the story. And I've, I've developed, I always thought I was going to be the person that, you know, found the evidence that would prove it to the world. And then I realized it's not about that. It's about proving it to myself and then helping people prove it to themselves. But I subscribe to something that I call the Liberty Valance Effect. Have you ever seen the movie The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance? No. I'll give you a real quick thumbnail I sketch. I live a of sheltered life. This, it's Jimmy Stewart, and it's John Wayne, and it's the Old West. Jimmy Stewart plays a lawyer who moves out to the Old West from Connecticut. He runs afoul of the outlaw Liberty Valance. Liberty Valance charges, uh, challenges him to a gunfight, and uh, you know at the last minute, John Wayne comes out of nowhere, and he's the one that shoots Liberty Valance, but they let everybody think that it was Jimmy Stewart that did it. So Jimmy Stewart becomes the hero of the town. And it's like 40 years later, he's telling the story to a newspaper editor, the real story of what happened. And when he's done telling the story, the newspaper editor folds up his notebook. And so Jimmy Stewart says, well, are you going to do it? Are you going to print the real story about what really happened? And the, the editor looks at him and he says, sir, this is the West. When the legend becomes fact, you print the legend. Mm-hmm. And that's the way that I look at the paranormal, that the legend is always going to be so much greater than the truth. And the legend isn't negated by the truth. So let, let's just say, for example, the Lizzie Borden house is a place I've investigated dozens and dozens of times. One of the stories about that place is there's this vicious rumor that Lizzie Borden had a, an illicit affair with her father and that there were babies that were aborted in the basement. Okay. And so that's never been proven to be true, and it's probably made up, but yet people will go there and they'll hear babies crying Yeah. when there's no reason to hear a baby mm-hmm. crying. So the legend has taken on a life of its own and developed a power unto itself, so the legend has become fact. Just like I was saying earlier about the bridges and stuff. Yep, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Every every area has what they call the crybaby bridge. Yeah. Yes, yep. And, uh, I mean, I wish I could draw a map of all the crybaby bridges that are out there, but there's too many to mark. Yeah. yeah. Another, another story like that, have, do, so where you're from, do you have the, the red-headed hitchhiker tale? No. Ours are more like the melon heads, um, the... Uh, that train, there's a ghost train, you know, stuff like that. A lot of ghost trains. Mm-hmm. Well, in our neck of the woods, in the Bridgewater Triangle, we have the the redheaded hitchhiker of Route 44, and the idea is that he's this guy dressed in like you know a plaid shirt, and dirty flannel, uh, dirty jeans, and dirty boots, and he's got red scraggly hair and a big beard, and he'll be walking down the side of the road thumbing for a ride, and when you pull over and pick him up, he'll get in the back seat no matter what, even if you're the only person in the car. You ask him where he's going. He won't answer. He'll just point in the direction that you were already going. And you go about a mile down the road, and he'll just start laughing. 
and it'll get to the point where you can't stand hearing that laughter anymore. And so you'll go to pull over to tell him to get out, and you turn around, and he's gone. Okay. So, But that story, as it turns out, we have no proof of why there would be a ghost on that road, yet other roads have that same story. Yeah. So it's, 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 it's some of these tropes and some of these legends start to take on a life of their own. So people, I believe people that say, I saw the red-headed hitchhiker. I picked up the red-headed hitchhiker. I believe that experience happened to them, but I also don't believe that it was actually a real ghost that they encountered. Yeah. But yeah, I hear those all the time. And like you said, maybe it is a fiction of their imagination or that because they know they're driving down this road and they're thinking, this is the road this happened on. This is the road this happened on. Next thing, no, they see it, and it. The paranormal is such a wide range of things that happen to people, and we always put it the way that we want it to be. Right. So, you know, the legends, people, and we've been many times gone into cities for conventions and all that, and we talk to the locals, and they tell us, "Well, you're going to see this ghost here. You're going to see this ghost there." And you know, sometimes we go over there. We don't see nothing, but like I was talking about earlier, when we saw, when I saw the person come out of the woods, that was at a place called the Black Cross in Pennsylvania. And there's all kinds of legends that happen there. Like you hear babies crying in the woods or you hear people calling you or that. When we were there, we heard that. Because I think before we went to it, I read up on it and it was in my mind whether we actually heard it or not. But when I turned and that person was jumping out of the woods, in my mind, that was a person. And I could see him. Who knows if it was true or not, but it was one of the legends that people talk about. Yeah, and it's, in New England, we have a lot of bed and breakfasts. And all every bed and breakfast in New England has a sign up that says, George Washington slept here. <laughs> I mean, the guy probably did nothing but sleep if he was in all these they different places. Around. But he and some of them are like built in 1940. Like, how did George Washington <laughs> sleep there? But anyway, they all have these signs. So people will go there and they'll have a ghost encounter. And they naturally, it's what uh, Jeff Belanger and I like to call the most famous ghost syndrome. Okay. Like, whoever the most famous person is that ever is in there, you assume that that's the ghost you're dealing with. Sure. So you could be in there talking to the spirit of somebody who stayed there one night uh, 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. But everybody's just going to think that it's, you know, George Washington yeah. because he's the most famous ghost associated with it. And in a way, if you're the ghost, you might think to yourself, well, all right, I'll pretend to be George yeah. Washington if it means they're going to pay attention to me. Mm-hmm. But in other ways, it might also really, really tick them off, and they might respond in a way that you don't want. As well, And that that could be not talking to you at all, or that could be you know, making every door slam all at the same time and making you run out of the house. Yeah. So it's, it's a dangerous thing to start building those narratives and to have too much information going into it. Changing your dreams, all that. I, and also, I also like to think, too, that if some of this stuff is stuff that we are creating with our minds, if we go into it with a narrative already, it's it's almost kind of boring that what we find in there fits that narrative. Because mm-hmm. it's like, why would you go watch a movie if you already knew how it was going to happen? Yeah. You would be like, oh, this movie is really boring. It seems like it's going really long. Like, just get to the point. I know what happens. Just get there. Mm-hmm. So when we start putting in that information, uh, that idea in our mind ahead of time of what we expect to happen, we're all, almost always going to let ourselves down. Yeah, and it happens all the time with these locations that we go to. Everybody knows all the stories about it. And a lot of people don't. Most people that we talk to that are 
seasoned, seasoned investigators, they don't want to know what happened. They don't want to know the backstories because they want their own experiences. And all these places, like, you know, like I said, I'm a ghost hunter. I, I pay to play. I already know what a lot of this stuff happens in there. So I'm going and looking for that. And there's so many times when I go into a location, I see completely different things than what I'm expecting. And um, you you go in with the mindset of, I'm going to set up all this equipment. I'm going to, you know, stuff's happening before you even go in. Right. So right. a lot of times I go into these locations and I do think, oh, I'm going to see Mary or I'm going to see the little girl or that. I see completely different things because there are things that happen in other, other things, but we're not looking for that. So I, I go to a lot of places where they have a lot of stories. And very rarely have I ever had the experience that other people have had. So just for an example, I was recently at the Conjuring House, and everybody was asking me afterwards, oh, did you did you see the soldiers? Did you see yeah. the soldiers? No. Like, whatever these experiences are that other people have, I never have the same thing happen to me. And I, I think it's for that very reason. I don't go in expecting to see any of that. Yeah. So before we let you go, talk to us a little bit about your podcast. We love fellow podcasters. Um I did notice that you have double the shows that we have. Yes. So <laughs> where we'll the someday. heck do you get the time? <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been doing Spooky South Coast for almost 17 years now. Okay. So we started, we're, we're actually on a radio station, so I podcast what goes out over the radio. Okay. So in that regard, you know, there's sometimes that we, we didn't always get to do an episode because they were running baseball games and all that kind of stuff. But we've done some almost 700 episodes of that show. And then... I started doing a show called, so a, a, a little while back, um, Dave Schrader had been hosting Midnight in the Desert, which yeah. was Art Bell's last show. And when I was his fill-in guy when he had to go film, and when they got season two of The Holzer Files, they just turned the show over to me. And so I was doing that show, and that kind of morphed into Midnight FM. Midnight Society is the show that I do on that network now. At one point, I was doing that Monday through Friday. Oh, and so I was going six nights a week, two, three, four hours a night talking about the paranormal, and I had to scale back. But I figured it out not that long ago. I've probably done over over a thousand episodes of paranormal radio at like between two and four hours each. So I've I've probably spent more time talking about this stuff in my life than I've yes. done anything else except for sleeping and obviously eating. <laughs> Our favorite things to do. Yeah. Snacks. That's yes. a very important thing yes. when you go on investigation. You've got to have a good so snack. What's your favorite investigative snacks? Um, probably potato chips. I am a potato chip connoisseur. I love them. I, I can't get enough. Every time we travel to a different area of the country, we have to check out the local. <laughs> that's, that's good. That's yeah. to, to actually, you know, put it to that level to say we have to make it. We have to localize yes. our snacking. I got to. I have to be careful what I snack on before an investigation because the EVPs that come out of my stomach <laughs> are amazing. But, you know, I, I hype myself up on pop and chips, like we say, um, our unofficial sponsor that they have no idea we're sponsored by them is Sausalito Chips. Oh, my God. Yes. Oh, that sounds the very best. good. Sausalitos. Oh. And the big bags always have the little little chunk of the spice that they put on them and you just put that in between the cheek and the gum and <laughs> your brain explodes but no i i love salsa chips i eat way too many as you can tell but 
I have to be careful because when you're in a quiet location and my stomach is the loudest oh, thing yeah. in the world. I know, I know that feeling. <laughs> we serve pizza at all of our events for that very reason. So and I have to warn people, like, hey, you're going to be walking around with your recorder later, like right up against your stomach. When you hear that demonic growl, it's probably not <laughs> Satan. Right. It's probably your stomach. But for us, the go-to snack, Jeff Belanger got us into it, was uh, Swedish fish. Uh, really? He he loves them. So when we were doing events together, everybody would bring Swedish fish for him. And then it kind of translated over to us. So people will bring us the giant, like, five-pound bags. Yeah. And we're just eating them by the handful. What did you have what for dinner? It? Oh, I had seafood. What is that? I don't. It's even... like a uh, cherry-flavored candy. Yeah, it's like a gummy like fish. A gummy. Oh, really? Yeah, it's it's it, they're they're really good when you have them in small doses. Okay. But when somebody gives you a five-pound bag and you just keep shoving them <laughs> yeah. in your mouth after a while, oh, you're like, this, <laughs> t- this doesn't taste the same as it did uh, ten minutes ago. Right. Right. But you know, it is important to keep up your um. Your energy level energy with your levels. snacks. Right. When you are investigating. Take a break. Drink a lot of water. Yeah, for sure. And that is true. That is true. You got to, because you have to keep your body hydrated to keep your energy level up. And water is the best thing to keep your electrolytes and everything up with. And also, if you're going to get scared, you have pee. to have something to come out of you when exactly. you're going to pee your pants. Yeah, exactly. Nobody wants to just pee dust. And you have to get that on film. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I. Not my incontinence is my not the paranormal is my excuse for my incontinence. So, <laughs> but uh, we really, really appreciate you taking time away from your booth to come and spend with us and and uh, fellow podcaster. We wish you all the best. Yeah. Thanks for having. And we'd me. love to cross paths again and have you on. You have a very beautiful golden voice, so keep it keep it well rested. I'll stay sick just for you, I so know. that next time we talk, it's I just as it. deep and rich. <laughs> Just go and grab the, every door handle and rub your nose. I, well, and I'm, I'm going to lick everything in the airport on the way home. There you right, go. There you go. <laughs> He's the podcast licker. Licker. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Tim. Thank you yes, so much. We had a blast. It. Thank you. And uh, hope to have you on again. So, yeah, another fantastic interview. I had a blast. I did, too. He's so fun. We could have went for hours. I love his voice. I don't know why. It just such a good voice uh but no he's great and he's got a voice for radio and i got a face for radio (laughs) i got neither (laughs) (laughs) but anyways no i digress but no great great interview you guys check out his website or check out some of the uh, shows that he's been on and and just great yeah and i'll leave links in the description below and uh, also we'll leave links to our dowsing rods so like we said you know if you want to really i almost said the word but in expensive <laughs> ghost hunting equipment they're affordable affordable ghost hunting equipment which is a very rare thing nowadays and it'll save you money because you don't have to buy batteries yeah right and you can use them for tons of stuff i use them for looking for grave sites they're still being used for People that work in the electronics industry, you know. Gas lines, gas oil, line, minerals. Avalanche. Avalanche. Try to find people. Um, here's the thing. If you guys buy a set of dowsing rods from us, videotape yourself using them. We want to see what kind of evidence you get. Yeah, that's a great or idea. come on the podcast and let us know what happens. Exactly. So anyways, thank you for listening this week. Hope you had a great week. 
Hope you have a great week coming up also. And I just want to say one thing. Yes. Spooky season is upon us, people. Yes. It is getting into our favorite season. Mm-hmm. So make sure you're out ghost hunting and let us know if you see any ghosts. And get up on our website and we have a list of events that we will be at coming up. But stay tuned next week for The Godfather. <sighs> bah, bah, bah. The this Godfather is, like... is on the show. This is like high roller coming yes. out of the paranormal. The haunted collector. Himself. Johnny Zaffis. John Zaffis. I love Next him. week. On the show mm, to might. round out our four shows from Michigan Paracon. Yes. And then after John Zaffis. <gasps> love John Zaffis. We have a celebrity. I do. On. She's the local celebrity that is known worldwide. She's international woman of mystery. Yes. I love her too. But guys, stay tuned. We have some amazing shows yes. coming up. So stay tuned. Share it with all your friends. Tell everybody they got to listen. That's a big thing. Share the show with your friends. And instead of buying people Christmas gifts, buy them Halloween gifts and buy them a set of dowsing There gifts. you go. We will ship them to you. I'll wrap them in some spooky wrapping paper or something yeah spooky <laughs> i'll set them in my house and i'll send my ghosts home with you That's no i'm kidding no don't send them with ghosts <laughs> all right guys take care have a great week we will talk to you next week and let's go way back with some 60 second crush Ooh, old school writing on the wall. Goodbye, everyone. Bye.